Hi everyone, this is Mayor Fortin. Welcome to Bipolar Black Girl Podcast. Today my um, guest is Emily. Emily is from Birmingham in the UK. Um, she was diagnosed as Bipolar 1 about three years ago. And today she um, uses her creativity to manage her bipolar disorder. So I thought, you know, let's talk about that. Hi, Emily, how are you? Oh yeah, I'm doing great, thank you. Glad it's Friday. <laughs> oh, aren't we both? <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your um, bipolar journey? Okay, so yeah, I'm Emily from Birmingham, as you've mentioned. Um, with bipolar, I have a family history of bipolar. So um, there's people within my family that have had that mental health diagnosis. Um, for myself, I mean, I started to get um, symptoms of um, mental health conditions when I was sort of late teens. Um, and that sort of came out in like anxiety and depression. Um, and then later on, I sort of started to get more symptoms of like mania, psychosis, even um, sort of on the verges of psychosis. And I was actually diagnosed with bipolar um, originally um, in 2016. Um, this felt really sort of right to me. It felt like the right diagnosis. I, I'd done a bit of reading and I sort of aligned with what I'd read. Um, it felt mm. quite... Um, natural to be given that diagnosis which is a bit strange to say because I mean some people respond very differently to diagnosis as well um but then I moved cities so I moved down to Brighton on the um, south coast and I was with a whole new mental health team and they decided that I didn't have bipolar this was really challenging for me and um I think we've all had challenges with um doctors um medical professionals um people with bipolar you know you don't always get on with your doctor you don't always necessarily agree with your doctor um but i was my diagnosis was changed and that sort of led to coming off medication which then led to a really severe psychosis episode in um 2020 just when covid struck so that was sort of a double whammy and that's when i was re-diagnosed with bipolar and put on some medication that's worked pretty well since then um so that's sort of my diagnosis journey <laughs> it was um a bit round and about but um we sort of got there in the end I guess right good I I I um understand that bipolar disorder is um a genetic um so that you have family members um is not surprising I yeah. have several family members from what I understand who um I guess there's a history of it on my mom's side um, so when they, uh, re-diagnosed you, were you, how did you feel about that? Were you like relieved or were you, you know, did you feel like, oh, you guys were wrong? Like, yeah. you know, how did you, a bit of a mixture of the both. I kind of felt relieved that we'd sort of come to the right conclusion, which I knew all along, um, which I thought I knew all along. Um, and also a little bit of anger as well, anger at, you know, the fact that I wasn't listened to in the past, that that might have, that might have um, been a contributor to that awful um, episode that I had of psychosis. Um, so I did feel a little bit of anger, a little bit of resentment at the medical services. And I think that's something which is really hard to brush off once you've got that. Um, so when I see a doctor now, I almost have my guard up, I think. Um, yeah. a lot more than what maybe I used to. 
That's completely understandable. I mean, I would, I also experienced um, psychosis before, or that's how I received my Mm. diagnosis. So I know how scary that is and how, you know, out of control it can be. And it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. And for you to have to deal with that because of a misdiagnosis is just, just unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, the, the psychosis is something that we don't talk about a lot. Um, but it's almost really hard to talk about because you sort of block a lot of it out. I think looking back, like my memory of that time, it, I think I lasted maybe two weeks, um, 10 days to two weeks, which was a really long time. Um, yeah. And I think that looking back at that, I just have snapshots of memory. I don't have like a clear linear, linear memory of what happened. You know, um, I suppose that family members and people around me probably remember it a lot better than what I do but they can't understand what it was like for me. So it can be quite isolating, I think, trying to talk to people about psychosis who've never experienced that as well. Right. Yeah, I um, there are, I also remember like bits and pieces, like scenes from uh, my psychosis, uh, from being hospitalized. Like I remember walking into the emergency room and going, and they were like, you know, can I help you? And I was like, I'm pregnant. And right. they were like, you know, you don't have to come here. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're pregnant. And my boyfriend, the now husband, came in and had to explain everything. So he saw he saw everything and he won't talk to me about it. He Okay. Because it's yeah. just like, you know, so he doesn't like to think about it. So I know I must have been like extra crazy. Yeah. But um I mean it's traumatic you know, so he, for people around you as well, isn't it? Like yes. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm just really grateful that I had the right people around me at the time. Right, me too, me too. So you've been you were officially diagnosed three years ago for yeah. sure. Yeah. What have you done in that time to help manage your ADHD? Like, what steps have you taken that you have found helpful? So I. First of all, the writing and creativity, poetry, music, all came to me in the very immediate period after the psychosis. So that was a release that I feel that was like my soul needed to release. It sounds a bit extreme, but it it wasn't something practical that I sat down and decided to do. It was more of a need. Like I would pick up a pen and it would just flow. And I would just write and write and write. And in those early days, a lot of it was quite nonsensical. Um, It was, yeah, a bit wild. But like, like if I look back at that now, I think, wow, what kind of space was I in to be writing these kind of things? But it just needed to come out. And um, I think it's something that I've just continued. And um, I've written a lot. I've got an album coming out, um, which is a lot of my poetry put to music um and singing that's as well dope. yeah so I'm hoping wow. that's coming out in the next few months um but I mean I just I write every week uh, every day if I can um it's in my staying well plan that I created with a psychologist um mm-hmm. that I actually have put in that plan that I want to write every week um because I know it's something it's one of my protective factors it keeps me on track um I get out things that I I'm thinking about sometimes things I don't even know that I'm thinking about but they must be there in the back of my mind um I don't always write specifically about mental health um but I do 
it comes out, you can read like certain lyrics or certain lines and think, wow, I didn't even know I was focusing on mental health, but here it is. Um, so I guess it, having bipolar, it's a huge part of your life. It really is like, you can, I think people see it two ways, don't they? They see themselves and bipolar or some people see it as a mix. And I think bipolar is a huge part of me. Like I, I, I think it sort of, it creates my creativity. It's, you know, it's there as a fuel and a burning in the background that just keeps me going. You know, it's not a hobby that I pick up now and then. It's something that I just do. Right. Yeah, I'm a I'm a writer as well, um, which is in part why I started the podcast, because I'm mm -hmm. a frustrated writer. Um, recently, I've felt more creative as I do more um, podcasts, do more episodes. So I have been writing a lot more like it just it just comes to me it's just flowing now so yeah I feel really good about that and I it really does help me manage my emotions you know mm -hmm. because I have ADHD I tend to hyper focus so I will write for like hours on end to the point that I'll forget to eat I won't go to the bathroom you know what I mean it's just like I have to go but um yeah, I forgot my point. <laughs> but no, anyway. I get you. I do get you. Yeah, it's like, I mean, I think with bipolar and like the way your mood can change, I think having like something steady in your life as in I'm going to do this whether I feel like it or not is really important. Like I'm really resistant to routines. Like I've, I find it very difficult to sit and be comfortable in a routine. But having that one thing that anchors me is really helpful. Right. Yeah. I've been like setting goals for myself with more um, creative pursuits. Like I've always wanted to play bass. I have owned basses for 25 years and never really picked them up other oh, no. than to like move with them. And my husband is an excellent guitar player. So he's been teaching me some bass lines and I, and it's weird how like easily I kind of picked it up. It was just, you know, like, like it was like, I always could do it. I just had to believe in myself. Yeah. It was always like, I can't do that because it's too hard, which is like, I'm noticing a lot of like my create creativity has been hidden behind. I can't do that yeah. because of X, you know, and without putting any effort into it. Yeah. So, um, how, how do you, um, like express, do you, um, do you do your poetry um, out in public or is it something that you keep to yourself or, you know, what do you do with your, your art? Well, I think this period between when I sort of started writing again, when I was diagnosed and um, between now and then, which has been about three years, I've not performed a lot, but I feel it's been like an incubator session, like for myself, where I've <clears throat> just like learned my craft a bit more. Um, focused on just getting getting what I wanted to say and forming it into the way I want to say it so now I feel like I'm at that point especially with like the music side of things of bringing things out um and then recently I did do a performance well actually Monday just Monday just gone um I did a performance um which was sort of off the cuff I, I went to an event and I was thinking shall I perform there was a space at the end for poetry performers and I I was tempted and then I was saying, no, I'm not going to put in blocks in the way like you just said. And then I did just get up and I performed um, 
a couple of pieces and the reaction I got was amazing. It was it was That's so awesome. good that it just made me want to get straight back up there on the stage. Oh my god, that's yeah. so awesome. Like I have stage fright. I don't even like the idea of people seeing me here. Like yeah. it really I'm very intimidated by that for whatever reason. But like to get up there and get on stage, girl, that takes fucking balls. Yeah. Like I no 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 no. I'm getting anxiety just thinking about it. I know my hands were sweating. I was like, oh, I feel like Eminem in that song. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> you were like rabbit for a second. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I would love to hear the piece you did or yeah. whatever piece you would like to share with us. But um, I like to wait until the end of the episode. Maybe we can close with that. Yeah. Um. I want to hear more about um like your past before your diagnosis like you said that you you already knew or you already felt like you were bipolar what gave you that feeling so I think initially like it was when I was about 16 years old I had um I got I started getting really severe anxiety and it would be attacks where I'd feel really sick or you know I'd be out with friends or family and suddenly I'd just get struck with this anxiety um and if anyone's experienced anxiety it's just awful in that particular moment you just feel totally mm. lost and you know everything bad is going to happen to you at that time um so I think sort of learning to cope with the anxiety a little bit I noticed that you know there are other symptoms I get this depression where I physically can't do things for days or weeks even um you know not getting out of bed being um taking time off work when I was a little bit older than that um but I think within that sort of 10 years of you know 15 to 25 I was really just struggling and I didn't know why and so I started doing a little bit of you know doctors will tell you to never google your symptoms but I googled my symptoms and it just seemed to link up and I went on Bipolar UK's website and looked at some resources on there and just really just felt myself reflected back. Um, I've got a great book actually, and it's called um, Bipolar Disorder, The Complete Guide. And obviously mm -hmm. it's not the complete guide because you can't get everything about bipolar disorder right. into a small book. But when I was first diagnosed or I was questioning that diagnosis, I think that really helped to have something written that was like, this does exist. People live with these symptoms. And I felt that was me. I felt, you know, I do live with these symptoms. So it was never a shock to me. Like I said, when I was diagnosed, it was more like, oh, okay, someone's finally recognized what I thought I knew already. Um, right. So yeah, I think, um, and it does take a long time to get used to even, you know, it's still a huge shock when somebody says that to you. Um, no matter how sort of prepared you feel for it, you're like, okay, so now, you know, it's real. It's um, something that I'm going to have to deal with, a lifelong thing that I'm going to have to deal with. How do I adjust to that? Like, where does that put me in the world? Where does that put me in my own life, my own head? Um, and it, it's, it's sort of like a loss because it's a loss of thinking this is how my life might have gone. But then it's in the years to come that you realise, well, it might be a different sort of way that you go about things but it doesn't mean that you can't achieve anything that you could have if you didn't have bipolar right no I think that <clears throat> bipolar people or I know that um can um uh reach the top of their game you know what I mean like 
uh, there are a lot of bipolar people in the arts. Um, mm. Sting, I, I mentioned to you earlier. Um, there's also Carrie Fisher, Brian Wilson, Jimi Hendrix, um, uh, Mariah Carey. There are, there are so many people. And think about, you know, the heights that they have reached yeah. in their lives. Yeah. You know, and how creative they are and how little crazy they've been. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or have acted in the past. And it all makes sense. You know what I mean? And we are part of that. Yeah. So it's not it's not surprising to me that you are so creative and that has, you know, helped drive you. Yeah. Uh to to man you know, to to deal with yourself, to manage yourself. Yeah. And I mean, one of the things that sort of um it's a strange thing to say gave me hope, but I mean, my favorite artist, probably a lot of people's favorite artist is Vincent van Gogh. So when I sort of found that bipolar days on his birthday, as they posthumously diagnosed him, I thought, wow, like, was bipolar like something that helped him to create these masterpieces? And obviously he had such a struggle um, in his lifetime, but if he had lived today, would that have been the same? Would he, Do you know what I mean? Like... And it does make me grateful as well that I do live in a time where there's modern medicine. Um, the stigma is becoming lessened. You know, there's still a long way to go. Um, but, you know, it it's on the right track. And, you know, we're not living in a time where you just sort of told you crazy and pushed to the side. Right, right. No, I agree with you 100%. Like, um, even, you know, when... I was coming up like the I knew someone who was bipolar and she was on lithium mm. and that scared me because of the way she react you know the the lithium would make her act and like the the negative um physical effects of it so when I found out that I was bipolar I was super scared that I that was going to be me you mm -hmm. know and I did I didn't want that so I kind of just let it slide and like did not, you know, didn't know anything about it, didn't learn anything about it, didn't, um, I, I just didn't know, you yeah. know, so it was just something that was a part of me. Does that make sense? It was like, yeah. I just accepted it as something that was just a part of me. And, um, I was on a med that like totally kind of deadened me, but I didn't know that until I got on this new med you know, and I was just sort of flat for years and, and then it stopped working. You right. know, it stopped, I couldn't, I couldn't maintain that anymore. And I cracked. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's one of the problems, isn't it? There's no physical test that a doctor could do saying, this is the medication you need. It's trial and error. And that's mm -hmm. really scary. And I think anytime you're changing your medication, that's a really scary time. Um, I mean, I have sort of accepted that I'll always be on medication for my mental health because without it, I can see how catastrophic it can be to my own life and those around me. And I just think that, you know, luckily at the moment, what I'm on is working, but there's always an opportunity or chance in the future that that might stop and I might have to change. And that's, that's a scary thought for me um, because there's just that uncertainty of all the chemicals and everything, you know, like it's it's just scary and I think having a really good doctor um quite recently that sat down with me and we talked through each medication how they'd interact with each other like and we got myself on the really good track and unfortunately that doctor's now left so um 
Um, it's just such a shame and it, to be honest it did make me a bit depressed like I did have a period of like um depression after the doctor that I really really sort of connected with left um the practice where I go to so that that was hard um and that that's just a couple of months ago so you know I've just sort of like you know got used to that fact but even little things like that like that might not seem a big thing to somebody else like to me, that really can affect my mood so, so strongly. Yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, I found a doctor who I love and who has helped me so much over the last three or four years. And if, if, if she left, I don't know what I would do. Like, it would cause such a disruption in my mm -hmm. treatment. Like, I don't know what I would do. And as far as the meds go, I think everybody has those fears. I fear my medication won't work. I feel like my medication over time will kill me. Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know what I mean? Like all these, uh, these fears because it's the unknown. Yeah. And, 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 and nobody even knows why it happens. You know, like they can't, they don't have like a pinpoint as to, you know what I mean? So there's just so, there's so much that's unknown. There's variables, isn't there? Different fearful. variables. Yeah. 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 So, uh, how did, how were you as a student? Were you a good student? Did you, did you, you know, did it affect your learning at all? Do you know what, like school, college, university for me, it was the education side of things was a breeze. Like I, you know, I brought creativity to my work and like I, I did really well. I achieved high grades. I got my degree in English um, literature and I got a master's degree as well. So that side of things, amazing. And then the other side of things was, you know, feeling that anxiety about going in, um, mixing with people. Um, I, th I think, yeah, as I got a bit later, later teens and early 20s, I think that's the real time where things started to show that maybe there was an issue. Um, I mean, at university, obviously, well, you don't have many contact hours with people, um, with your tutors or what whatnot. So... I think having that time where it was just on me to do my independent study was really hard because I'd just be in bed all day depressed and then right. I'd think oh I haven't done this so then it would be hypermanic like trying to finish off essays and um, go to exams and I think the external circumstances affect your mood more than what people know as well like I mm -hmm. think people can have the perception that if you've got bipolar you just randomly go into a mood but there's a lot of external factors that can affect and determine what your mood which way your mood is going so you know around mm. exam season I'd suddenly get quite hypermanic and I'd be revising all day and night and you know I'm gonna get the best grades in the world um you know those sort of like grandiose thoughts and um I did do well obviously I wasn't like a genius but I did well but I think that's partly down to the fact that I was able to just smash through it. And then afterwards, I sort of, it's like a come, a come down of like events because you, you know, you spend so long building up to something, you do it. And then afterwards, you, I sort of drop off the edge. So that's when depression mm. can creep in because I've been working towards something and then suddenly it's done. No matter if it went well or it went badly, I drop off the end. Um, and that's something my mom has noticed in me as well. She's, she says, you know, you're coming down from this event. Um, you need to put things in place before it ends. But, you know, you don't. You get carried away and then suddenly 
you just think, what now? Yeah, yeah, no, I excelled in college. In high school, um, I barely graduated. Right. Um, that it just, I, because I have ADHD, like it has, things have to interest me, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, and me, I don't know if it's bipolar or ADHD. I feel like a lot of things come naturally to me, like, or come easily to me. So, you know, I always talk about how I never did my homework, but I got A's on every task. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just like, I, I hated her. Like, why am I doing homework? I also felt like I was smarter than my teachers. And for some of them, I absolutely you know. Were. Yeah. And, um, so, but when I got to college, it was like a challenge. You know what I mean? Like it was, first of all, you know, nobody expected it from me. So I was like, I'm going to do as good as I can. Then I went on and got my master's. I did really well. Um, and then I went to a PhD program. Wow. And it was in a conservative state. They wouldn't give me my meds, all of my meds. So I was on no meds at that time. And um, I was super, like everything that you can imagine, manic, an anxious, uh, depressed, sometimes all at the same time, yeah. you know? And uh, so I left my PhD program and um, I did, I still kind of mourn that. Like, I wish I could have completed it. Academically and intellectually, I was prepared, but emotionally, I there's no... Uh, you know, I couldn't manage on my own. Yeah. So, uh, I understand what you, what you mean about, um, sort of just excelling and, and pushing through it, getting through it and being manic during that period. Like, I think I was manic for like my entire life. Yeah. You know, like I would have dep depression, you know, like I would go to school and be manic and come home and be depressed. Yeah. You know, so it, would, it would happen like that quickly. I would cycle that quickly and that easily and yeah. it became normal, you know? So I didn't think anything was wrong. I would think, do other people go, do other girls go through this? But like, it never occurred to me that there was something wrong with my brain. Right. Yeah. But we didn't think that could be hard either. Yeah. 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 You know, so it was really, we don't really talk about it today. No. You know, I talk about my bipolar disorder with anyone except my husband and anybody who's listening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that's it as well. And I don't know in my day to day life, I don't know other people with bipolar, which, you know, there used to be a support group years ago, but now it's since COVID, it's just gone. And I think it's very rare that I would, you know, talk to people about bipolar except. Like you said, if people are listening, um, right? Yeah, so it it, it can be strange because you feel a lot of the time that you see things differently to others, or you've got a different perception to others, and sometimes it feels that you have to sort of assimilate yourself into other people's spaces and how they act and um, their experiences, and maybe have to like tone your own down a little bit. Um, I don't know, like, like we were talking with psychosis, you, it's not something you bring up casually. People don't react to that well, usually, um, right. you know, but if you're with a group of people that have experienced that or have bipolar, then maybe it would be a lot less of a taboo topic. You know, you could just bring it up and mention something and people not go, oh, that sounds really hard. Or do you know, you know, you've been through such a lot, like you, you don't necessarily want to hear that. Like if you're just mentioning it, um, casually. Right. Right. 
Yeah, you know, I I get a lot of, mm, mm, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, or nobody asks like, oh, well, you know, what does that feel like? Or what is that? You yeah. know, they just have this, um, this, I, they have their idea of you're happy, you're sad, you're happy, you're sad, you're happy, you're sad. You know what I mean? It's like, it's so much more complex than that. Um, and I, and I do feel like, you know, people aren't, people don't really, aren't really interested, you know, yeah. or I don't feel like they're interested. Um, so I, I do talk about it with my husband, um, a lot. And, um, that's in part because I talk a lot. Um, but, uh, he's been the only person that I can really discuss, like, what's going on in a moment to moment basis, Mm -hmm. you know? So he now is aware of, you know, what sort of, uh, situation makes me manic or depressed. When when I'm depressed, he knows how to manage my depression or help me through it. You know, when I'm stuck in a whole thinking, he knows to like touch me and like, you know, bring me back to earth. Yeah. Otherwise I'll just, think, 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 think. And when I think I look like I'm sad and it's like, no, I'm just thinking, (laughs) you know, so it's just But that's amazing. That's amazing to, you know, have that as a support, have your husband as a support because, and for him to have like learned the techniques that can help you rather than just saying, oh, I understand or recognize when you're manic or depressed, having those like practical things that, that he can do to support you. That that's amazing, isn't it? And I'm lucky to be in Absolutely. a similar situation as well. Oh, I hope you will. You will be. I mean, it's such a like, when someone knows you that well, it feels good. Yeah. Because you don't really have to explain to them, you know, uh, anything. They just, it's like mm-hmm. he knows, you know, it's like he knows before I know sometimes. Yeah. You know, and it's like, um, it's very comforting to have that support system. Yeah. It's very yeah. You know, it's nice to know that there's someone in the world who who at least tries to understand. Yeah, and I, I'm I I do live with my partner, and he's great as well. Like he, you know, he will ask the question rather than assume, which is mm-hmm. you know what you need. And I'm lucky to live close to my parents and my sister as well. And um, you know, the support network that I have is something that is solid, and it's you know a lot of people don't have that and I'm just so grateful and I think talking about what you're grateful for as well like instead of like moaning or you know it it helps it helps with the mood it helps with your stability yeah it really does because I go through phases where it's like I hate I hate I hate this I hate that I hate this and it's all negative and it's like just I have to remind myself like think of positive things to say don't be so critical don't Mm -hmm. you know it's like also, my bipolar disorder makes me aggressive. Mm. So and and mean. So I have to learn to like temper that and like yeah. breathe and you know what I mean? Because I will fly off the fucking handle and let you know it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm not very nice when I'm like that. Um and uh yeah, but he and he still supports me through that. So, you know, I I love that kid. Like yeah. there's he's the best. And yeah. I'm glad that you have someone who you know, can support you in your times as definitely, well. Definitely, definitely. And I think the the best piece of advice that I could give anybody out there with bipolar is do what you can manage on that day. 
do what you can manage. You know, if you can't tell yourself, be grateful for something today, do it tomorrow when you can, you know, don't berate yourself for not being able to suddenly switch and say, oh, I need to change this or I need to change that. If you can't manage that on that day, that's okay. You know, do what you can in that moment. It took me a long time to learn that. It took me a long time to be nice to myself or yeah. allow myself the space to like, you know, care for myself, love myself, whatever. Like I'm not even there yet. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, it's a journey. Yeah. Um, it's such a journey. And it's like, I feel like I've taken one step and yeah. And I've been managing this for years. I don't know if I'll ever be able to take another step. No, but, but I mean, sometimes you even, yeah. I even take steps backwards and then think, Oh, but you can see where you've been so you know you can get back there you know like with working I I was out of work for about two and a half years and I thought I'll never be able to go back to work but now I've been in a job for two years and I've kept the same job and I've you know I've had an odd week off here and there when I've been depressed but I've you know I've turned up I've gone into work I've helped other people as well through what I do for work so you know it's it's um amazing to think that I'm here and then it's also worrying to think, well, what if I lose that? You know, what if that does drop off and I'm back to not square one, but back several paces, like what then? And it is scary, but, you know, you've just got to keep pushing through, haven't you? Yeah, you've got to learn to forgive yourself and and allow yourself to be kind to yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, Emily, thank you so much. I really want to hear some of your poetry. So if whatever okay. you want to... Whatever you want to drop, let us know. All right. I I will um, do a piece that I wrote very early on and then I've adjusted it. So I wrote this in 2020 and now I've sort of made it a bit more relevant. So um, it's called The Power of the Pen. So awaiting the arrival, my mind is doing spirals, writing down my feelings through the tip of this red biro. The culminated weight of lost opportunities, untaken roads, cold-hearted communities. Never felt so alone as I did last night, stepping out drunk off the cold moonlight. Art without authority is the richest type of poverty. If you feel the same way, then pick up your feet and follow me. Chambers which we echo, we do it because they said so. Long forgotten dreams appearing rusty as art deco. Songs of suburbia, lost as I turn to you. Wishing what I learnt came to me much earlier. It radiates desire and rebellion. Not ready just yet, but I'll tell you when. I've been bottling it all up like a specimen, now releasing it through the power of my pen. I found there's nothing that I know to be certainly true. Old time notions springing into the new mind of mine that constantly evolves, embracing the hearts and the gravities of souls of those that I meet and those gone before. Monsters of the deep that knock down my armoured door. Memories that outlast my solid living being, learn it all but nothing still through the love of human reading. Shrouded in black with the hand of the night that drags me down to depths but holds me gripped tight in the safety and comfort the everlast unknown. I hope I never lose the broken love that I was shown. When I needed it most, I paid it back in return. Historical kisses that helped me to unlearn the pain and remembrance that existed back then. Again, I'll focus now through the power of the pen. Oh my God, Emily, that was fucking amazing thank you oh my god that was and that was like one of the your early poems that you yeah yeah so 
I've actually turned that one into a song now, so it's on the second album, which is already in the motion. <laughs> so I need to get the first one out and then that one will come out. Oh my God, that is so amazing. I, you've blown my mind. Thank you. <laughs> you've really blown my mind. Like I just, I just, that was so good. That Thank was so you. good. I wish I could express myself in, in the same, so much of that like touched me and made me feel like, Oh my God, is she listening? Yeah, she followed me. You know what I mean? Like, but that's great to hear. Just, like, that's what you want to hear as a poet, isn't it? So, yeah, thank you for that. It's great. Yeah. And to have something that I can totally identify with that I know she knows what I'm talking about. You know, I'm going with her right now, but it's reminding me that I have a friend. You know, I'm listening to a friend tell me about their pain, their mm -hmm. pleasure, their life, their their love, you know, and, and so to share that with us, I think is, is just beautiful. I appreciate the space to be able to do so. Awesome. Well, Emily, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Um, I wish you the best of success. I know you're going to, you've already got one album yeah. on the way or one album out now or it's coming it's out coming next out. month. Yeah. And what's the name of it? It's called New Retro and it's something that I've been doing with um, a producer, a local producer, um, who had some beats for many, many years and then I've jumped on them and um, done some spoken word and singing on New Retro, um, which should be coming out, yeah, pretty soon. And it'll be available everywhere? Or... Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll awesome. definitely be posting it on Instagram so everybody watch out for that. Absolutely. When it drops, I want to have you back on. We can talk about. Yeah, talk that would about be great. Yeah, I I can identify with it and, and tell you how grateful I am for it. Oh. <laughs> All right. So have a good day, and you we'll too. talk later. All right. Bye Thanks. then. Bye.